And the pitch. Swing and a base hit to left center field. Hank Camilla is going to score. This game is over. On an RBI hit by Mickey Poole. All right, what's up, Philadelphia? It's Patrick Gordon of the Philadelphia Baseball Review. Good to be here with you this evening under moonlight here in Warrington, my beautiful new office in Warrington. Long story I will not get into today, but either way, no longer Horsham, now Warrington. But either way, it is near midnight on March 22nd, heading into the 23rd. Again, hopefully you and your family are doing well. Man, their draggers are out on the field. The grass is being mowed, and Tatum Levins is driving in runs. So it is springtime, and baseball is being played. So we are thankful for that. Look, we all dealt with last year with the games canceled and and seasons, you know, halted and uh, high school seniors not able to play their final games. Thankfully, it looks like we're turning a corner and all that's in the past. And, um, you know, that's all I can say about that. Hopefully, hopefully again, from here, it's onward and upward. But um, it's just so good to see games being played. And whether you're watching them on TV when you've had a chance to get out and see some of the college games, which I recommend you you do get out, even at the D3 level, it's great baseball being played. Get out and see some games if you can. Uh, high school, you have some scrimmages happening this weekend, the season ready to start within the next two weeks for the Philadelphia area and suburban schools. It's just good to be out there. And uh, the weather's finally starting to turn, so that's good. Um, so, yeah, great things happening. And that's not even getting into what's happening with the Phillies down in Clearwater. So, uh, again, glad to have baseball here. So, let's look. All right, college, D1. Um, I think the storyline so far, if we're entering, let's say, the third, fourth fourth week of the season here, it has to be LaSalle's Frank Ellisaw. This this kid can throw. Um, nasty, nasty stuff. Dominant on the mound. Um, he's had, what, four starts, I think? Yeah, two of them have been... Um, solid, lights out, 11 strikeout performances. Um, he was a highly talented freshman out of Miami. Uh, perfect game, had him ranked as one of the top uh, hurlers coming out of Florida. And this is why Coach David Miller just, uh, he gets it. He puts the, he's such a good recruiting class. He's done this now the last three or four years. And Ellisalt, let me pull the numbers up here. 1.1. Uh, 1-2 whip, 3.24 ERA, 36 Ks over 25 innings. And yeah, I was at four starts. He's 2-0. and This kid is is going to be, I'm telling you, he, he I think, give it some time, but he will become one of the better hurlers all of the Northeast, maybe even uh, you know beyond. I think this kid is the real deal. Again, we're only a couple starts into his young career, um, but if he continues on this trajectory and if he can you know, continue to perform this way in some big games, that's good news. And, uh, you know, it's great to see talent like that come up here to Philadelphia, um, you know, from Florida. Usually you see it the opposite way. So it's good to see talent coming up here. Um, and then also offensively for LaSalle. So the Explorers are 7-7 seven and seven on the season. Um, they have a couple mid, uh, midweek games this week. Uh, they play Mount St. Mary's. Um, still a couple weeks out, I believe, from when they open when they open the conference schedule. LaSalle, LaSalle, LaSalle. David Miller's done an outstanding job scheduling, too. They have like a 56-game schedule this year. Um, 
They play Mount St. Mary's tomorrow and uh, Coppin State um, here on Wednesday. And then they go up to uh, New York for, uh, what is it, a four-game set with St. Bonaventure, non-conference. And then uh, they don't open up conference play until uh, April 9th with a set against uh, set at home against Rhode Island. So, uh, again, the Explorers sitting at 7-7 seven and seven opening uh, the year off here. Again, Tatum Levin's leading the team, leading the city, the D1 level with 15 RBIs, hitting 296. Uh, Nick DiVietro also putting together some solid solid numbers, hitting 286 on the year. Uh, Eliza Dickerson with a pair of homers, seven RBIs uh, over 14 games. Um, so, yeah, also a couple other uh, hurlers there with uh, LaSalle that have, have put together some, some impressive numbers here. I think uh, Jordan Morales... 2.7 ERA, um, doing some solid relief there, six innings. Um, you know, so again, the Explorers sitting there at seven and seven. And, and again, I love the, t- the, the hunger that Coach Miller brings to the table here, you know, scheduling these, these midweek games to get the guys ready for when that A-10 schedule hits. You know, again, baseball here in the Northeast, it's tough. Uh, you know, and in a year like this where everything seems so compact, to try and uh, enter conference play, clicking on all cylinders, it's a tough thing to do. So respect to Coach Miller for putting together, um, you know, a, a loaded first quarter of the schedule to get them ready, get the Explorers ready for uh, conference play. Now, take a look at another D1 program here, Villanova, sitting here at 6-2 and two to open the season. Um, the, the story there with Villanova is Gordon Gracefo. Uh, again, putting up some outstanding numbers on the hill. Um, at 1.13 ERA over two starts, 0.88 whip, um, 16 innings, 11 strikeouts. Just, just again, dominating on the mound. Jimmy Kingsbury had a little bit of a rough start, although uh, he pitched well this past weekend against Stony Brook. I think allowing just two runs over six innings. He's sitting there with a 4.43 ERA uh, on the year, but 26 strikeouts over 20 innings. And he's also holding opponents to a uh, stellar 197 average. Uh, offensively, you take a look at Nova. You know Pat O'Neill leading the charge, hitting 370 on the year. Um, you know Ryan Tours also uh, putting together some solid numbers. Um, so again, Villanova sitting there at six and two on the season. They're off for a while, schedule-wise. They have a pretty. Um, a pretty long layoff, I think, till April 9th against Creighton. Uh, yeah, yeah, April 9th against Creighton. Um, and that, that'll be the opening of their Big East um, schedule. So some time off there for the Wildcats. And then you take a look at the other D1 team in action here, St. Joe's. Um, man, this team can hit, absolutely hit. Whether it's Nate Thomas, whether it's uh, Jake Arts, uh, Brendan Huth, they're all just mashable. What is it, six, seven guys hitting over 300 in the starting lineup? Andrew Cassetti with an OPS over 1.11. Um, same thing with Nate Thomas, uh, OPS uh, close to 1.12. Just some outstanding figures here. And now the Hawks return to play this weekend with a home-and-home single games against Delaware. And they'll open up their A-10 conference schedule against UMass at home. Uh, on April 9th. So that's what's happening at the D1 level. Uh, notice, sadly, what is not happening is Penn playing baseball. 
and uh, this is unfortunate on many levels, but uh, the Ivy League came down and, and um, basically said to the programs, look, we, we don't want you putting a season together. So it's unfortunate. Um, Coach Urkow and, and uh, the guys over at Penn uh, sitting out another year, uh, this after obviously last year being cut uh, extremely short. It's tough to see some quality ball players over there at Penn. Um, you know, it's wrong on many, many levels, and it's sad. Um, you know, there's a couple kids over there that could be, you know, I'm not saying, uh, you know, top round, you know, in the draft sort of uh, prospects, but there's definitely some guys over there worth of look. Um, you know, John has done an outstanding job getting that program up to where it is now. And to think that now you're essentially doing two years of, of you know, no baseball, um, that's tough for any program. It's tough for, um, you know, any coach or, or anybody to, to really stomach. And, you know, although I believe the Ivy said, look, teams can play uh, non-conference exhibitions, basically, against uh, local teams within 40 miles, you, know, you run into all kinds of eligibility consequences and things like that. And, uh, you know, as, as uh, John mentioned to me before, the players signed up to compete to win an Ivy League title, you know, and not play 16 games against Penn or, uh, I'm sorry, against uh, Villanova, St. Joe's, Delaware, and uh, Rutgers or, or something like that. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So, again, Penn is missed, and uh, hopefully... Uh, some of those fellows will be able to get uh, some summer ball at least in with some of the leagues in in the area. So that's kind of what's happening at the D1 level right now. It's still very early on in the D2, D3 seasons. Um, they're they're a week um, or two behind in some cases. Some teams have only played three games. Um, a couple reasons for that. One, I think the restrictions on travel uh, seem to be hitting the D2 and D3 teams a little bit more heavily. Um, so their schedules are a bit sparse to open the season. And as they get closer to conference play, uh, a lot of doubleheaders on weekends. And I think one thing that has really hindered uh, some of the teams in the region has been the weather. Uh, you know, we had that snowstorm that, geez, I feel like there's still, you go to a parking lot, there's still snow sitting in there. Um, you know, the fields were covered. And, uh, you know, so there's been quite a few postponements. And uh, there has been uh, at least one local team with uh, COVID-related issues. So, uh, again, probably next week we'll do a, a, D, a dive into the D2 and D3 uh, programs and what's happening there. Um, but that's sort of where we're at with the college, uh, the college scene for right now. Again, great things happening here uh, in Philadelphia. It's good to see the D1 teams kind of carrying the torch here, uh, all with winning or 500 records um he couldn't always say that there were some years where uh some of the teams here in the region were um struggling a bit and again it's still early and and you know some of these teams are still getting their footing but uh i think it's uh, a tribute to the quality of play here in philadelphia and the region i think it's definitely a tribute to uh fritz and kevin and, and david and all the work they do on the recruiting side getting some of this talent um you know, to, to perform and, and getting it to stay here or come here. Um, you know, in the case, especially of Frank Ellisold, I think is a huge, a huge deal, a huge win for college baseball here in the Philadelphia region. All right, turning things over to the big league level. 
Well, Joe Girardi <laughs> mentioned it today, and it may have been the worst kept secret over the last year for the Phillies, that Aaron Nola will be starting opening day uh, against the Braves for the Phillies. Now, we kind of knew this. This isn't anything earth-shattering. Um, Nola has had a less-than-stellar spring. Thankfully, tonight he put together a solid performance against the Yankees. Uh, I believe 10 strikeouts over six innings, surround, uh, surrendering just one hit. Um, said afterwards he felt really, really good. Uh, Could have went another inning. Again, it's spring. You're not going to have a starter go eight innings. But uh, said he felt good. He looked electric when the man looked uh, to have all of his pitches working. Um, you know, he entered the contest with an ERA, I believe, hovering around 10. So it was good to see he needed a start like tonight to really buckle down and demonstrate, you know, that he uh, has things going in the right direction entering uh, the start of the season. So no real surprise there that he's our opening day starter, um, you know, for the Phils. Now, Zach Wheeler will start game two to open the season, Girardi mentioned today. And then Zach Eflin, who's been battling some back issues, some spasms, uh, he is on track to still start the third game of the season. Uh, he's going to pitch, I believe, a simulated game tomorrow and um, be looked at again. But but Girardi today in meeting with the press seemed to be pretty optimistic that Eflin will be uh, ready to go for game three. Now, other injury reports. Um, Spencer Howard and Vince Velasquez both uh, remain sidelined. Um Howard uh, Velasquez is dealing with an oblique issue. Spencer Howard's dealing with a back spasm similar to Eflin. Uh, both are, you know, believed to to be uh, nearing, um, you know, baseball activities. I think Howard's a little bit further along than Velasquez at this point. Look, I don't think either of these guys at this point have a shot at the rotation. I think those final spots are for Matt Moore and Chase Anderson. Um, so going forward, I think both Velasquez and Howard are going to be depth, depth that is going to be desperately needed because let's face it, you're not going through a season, you're not going through a month with just five starters, right? Especially early on, you know, someone's going down. So, um, I am a little bit concerned with Spencer Howard, uh, the way things went last year for him, um, also sort of the way this season is going to go with regard to triple a I'm, I'm concerned about him getting regular work and i don't know if going to the bullpen is the right move for the right move right now for spencer howard so you know that that remains to be seen what will happen there i think girardi has some some difficult decisions to make with regard to how he's going to stack his uh, staff and uh, the bullpen now vince is a whole other story <laughs> i like vince velasquez he's i think um, you know, comes off as a good guy. He, you know, says the right things. I just feel like it's banging your head against the wall, keeping him in the starting rotation. We've seen how this plays out, and that is not a knock against him. It's just it appears that he's better utilized in short spurts than over five innings. And I think his stuff plays really well for an inning or two. And then after that, I think once he gets through the lineup once, especially twice, I think the wheels just fall off. And I don't know if it's a change of scenery that would do him better. I don't know if it's a, a mental thing at this point. Um, but I really think he would be best suited for the fills uh, in the bullpen. And, um, you know, we'll see what 
welcomes him. I think it's good to have him potentially as a long man if need be to open the season that way. Because let's face it, right now the Phils do have some fire in the back end of the bullpen there. They have some really, really powerful arms. So, again, Velasquez, another name to keep an eye on these last uh, couple spring games. What, you know, when he does get out there, if he gets out there before uh, camp breaks, and I think he will, uh, you know, how does he look and, and what sort of positions is Girardi going to put him in, uh, you know, come come uh, start of the season uh, in two weeks? That remains to be seen. Um, so that's what's going on there. JT Real Muto, all right, fractured right thumb. He was supposed to play Sunday, was scratched um, just due to general soreness. Um, Girardi mentioned now Real Muto was playing in a simulated game on Saturday uh, he was gripping the ball through to every base he's been taking uh, hacks at the, in batting practice and you know so he's he's going to be ready he's going to be good to go um, Girardi mentioned today that it's likely Real Muto will be in game action uh, at some point this week so that's certainly good news there be a little bit behind obviously now that he's missed two two and a half three weeks of spring but even so, it's good to know that he'll be there come opening day for the Phils. And that leaves you really the, the only other storyline, or the big storyline, is center field. And it, it, the position is just there for the taking at this point. It appears Roman Quinn may have the inside track. He put together, um, you know, again, a couple solid performances last week. You have Odubel, who is waiting in the wings, it looks like. Um, Odubel is tricky again. You have all the domestic uh, violence, uh, you know, the, the, everything that goes along with that. Uh, plus, he's not on the forty-man right now, on the forty-man roster. So you would need to make a move to get him on. Um, I, you know, I, again, I think it's going to come down to who's hot in this final week. You hear, um, you know, players talk about that all the time. It's who's hot at the end of spring that you know can carry that in to open the season that making all the difference. Um, you know, it's disappointing for Scott Kingery at this point, and I'm really starting to wonder what his future looks like. Uh, you know, again, it, it may be unfair to him that he's been put in this spot where he's never been sort of just anointed, you are the starting X, you are the starting whatever. Um, but with that said, I think coming in the spring, you know, Girardi wouldn't say it, but they wanted Kingery to outright win that job. Um, and, you know, he's just he's not doing it at this point. He's just not showing that that he's ready to take on that yet. Uh, Adam Hazley, well, another guy who it would have been great opening a spring to see him kind of take charge. Unfortunately, he got injured. Um, he's looking to return later this week, early next, uh, according to Joe. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue to see what happens with this this competition. Girardi mentioned, too, that it's not necessarily too late for Hazley to still win the starting role. Uh, but he wouldn't go so far as to, to say that officially um, and, and say that he's still in the running. So, you know, again, it, it's going to come down to who's hot this final week of or entering the final week of spring. Um, right now, I think Quinn and, and, and Herrera. But the problem with Roman Quinn, I think he can be an extremely valuable major league ball player, but he's just he he hasn't proven that he can stay healthy, and uh, it's a shame because I think his his tool set, his speed, it, it can play. He can be a valuable major league player. 
and I think there's a spot for him in this lineup, um, you know, with his speed and ability to get on base. But um, if if he can't stay healthy, it, it's it's for naught. And um, you know, so then you go, all right, well, Odubel. Well, look, not only do you have the domestic violence situation with Odubel. Uh, the 40-man roster situation with the Duble. You also have to take into consideration the PR hit that the organization you know will take. Um, you know, with the Odubel situation, there will be boo birds, rightfully so, um, and especially any little thing he does, uh, because we've the Philly fans have been burned by him so many times before. It's it's I don't care if you have 20,000 fans at the ballpark or not, and that's it. It's the boos will rain down. Again, right or wrong, that is how that will play. And, uh, you know, is Odubel ready for that? You know, Girardi has mentioned, and many players, uh, Reese has mentioned it as well, you know, this spring how more mature it seems that Odubel is and how more um, accepting he is of, of things that he's done and his behavior and, and just how he's, you know, at the ballpark earlier, putting extra work in and things like that. Great to hear. We need to see that that continues, though, right? We we just can't go. Oh, okay, he's a new guy now. It, it it takes some time, and I also think too. There's a chemistry thing that that you have to take into consideration here. You know, Bryce Harper a few weeks back when asked about Odubel, um, you know, he wasn't given the same sort of answer that Aaron Nola or Joe Girardi were, um, where they said, "Look, open arms, we'll we'll we'll." we'll we want to see what you come with, and and you know we'll, we're think, we'll we'll do a second chance. We'll give you that. Um, you know Harper didn't say he's not giving a second chance, but um, he kind of was very different in how he approached his answer compared to Girardi and Reese. And I think that's telling. And I'm not saying you're ever going to get 26 men, um, you know, to agree on anything, but I do think that you don't want to rift in a clubhouse and. You know, it is very possible with a polarizing figure like Odubel, who has been, um, you know, arrested on domestic violence, that that becomes a real problem. And, um, you know, Joe Girardi, one of the best there is, um, you know, at managing, I think is going to have his hands full trying to navigate that. That is a difficult situation. And it will be... Um, you know, interesting. I think everybody again just would have loved Scott Kingery to come in this spring and just start raking and and kind of commanding that position, and um, just not happening. Just not happening, unfortunately, for Kingery. Tied for the team lead with 14 strikeouts, hitting just 133 over 30 at bats. He, he's not getting on base at all. I think just uh, just two walks. Uh, OPS of 454. It's just it hasn't been clicking at all for him, and um, you know it's it's troubling to see. All right, so we'll leave it there. Take a look next week at some of the D2 and D3 programs in the Philadelphia region. Uh, an update on the center field position, what's happening there with the Phils, and also take a deeper dive into previewing the 2021. Major League Baseball season. It feels so good to say that. Um, so with that said, Patrick Gordon here to Philadelphia Baseball Review signing off. If you're not yet, make sure you're following me on Twitter at PGordonPBR. Also, make sure if you're not 
yet subscribed to our Quaker City 9 mailing. It was out almost every day. Bunch of Philadelphia Phillies news, a lot of college recaps and insights, some info, uh, the high school level, um, any news about recruits, just a ton of solid information. If you're a Philadelphia baseball fan, need to be subscribed to, you can get a, get on there and, and uh, subscribe on our website, PhiladelphiaBaseballReview.com. Uh, so with that, I'll leave it there. Again, Pat Gordon, Philadelphia Baseball Review.